Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. As a matter of fact, the Bible lumps us all into that category when it said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says another scripture that says, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. When we compare the best amongst us to him and his glory, we fall so, so ridiculously short of the glory of God. Every last one of us have betrayed him, even in the fact that we were born because we were born into sin with a sinful nature. Amen. Every one of us has have a memorial in our life the day that we're born because we were born with a sinful nature but thank God that wasn't the last marker thank God that wasn't the last memorial to take place because there was another one that was coming where Jesus was going to come up out of a tomb and he was going to change everything God bless you today. Matthew chapter 27, if you'd stand. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And when he and went and hanged himself. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it's not lawful to put them back into the treasury because it, it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and brought with them the potter's field. They took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. I just want to bring to you a message this morning that I've entitled, A Betrayal of Blood. A Betrayal of Blood. Why don't we set our Bibles down if you've got them picked up in your hand, bow our heads, and would you just pray right now with me that the Lord would have his way in this in this message today. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every soul that's in this place, God, from the youngest to the eldest. Jesus, we thank you for this great country of which we're a part of. God, where freedom still rings, God, and the value of freedom is still still uh, uh, revered. We ask you today, in the name of Jesus, to bless this word, bless it to our hearts, let us receive of it, God, what you want us to receive from it. And would everybody say in Jesus' name, and you may be seated today. <clears throat> Most of us have at uh, one time or another in our lives felt, at least in some regards, the sting of betrayal. Uh, whether it was when you were little and uh, you had that you know, first grade crush and 
she checked the box, yes, I, I love you too kind of thing. You know, do you love me? Yes, no, maybe. And she checks yes. But then you find her that uh, the very next day holding hands with, with little Johnny, you know. Uh, I'm not bitter about that, by the way. I'm okay. It's, it's not it affected me too much. Betrayal is one of those things that we tend not to forget, though. You know, that, those are, are simple little things uh, uh, you know, when we're little, we feel betrayed, but, but we don't forget those things. There may be no other feeling on earth quite as hurtful as when a sacred trust has been broken. When somebody has made a vow or a promise to you to do something or to be a part of your life or to, to commit to something uh, either you're involved in or you're a part of or maybe just to you as an individual and then to betray that trust. It's a very uh, hurtful situation. The world has and probably always will have people in it that are willing to sell out to the highest bidder. I've never enjoyed being in the company of somebody that, that uh, would sit down and have a conversation with me until somebody that they enjoyed uh, uh, being around better came along and then they'd dump me off to the side and, and go run and be with somebody else. I've, I've never really enjoyed that and I don't think any of us would. Uh, but there are people in this world that have been betrayers, people that have sold out to the highest bidder, people that have no ethics and no morals and they're unscrupulous peoples that, that can see no further than the here and the now that have no regard for the fallout that others may face because of their selfish deeds. Wasn't too long ago I was making a delivery um, somewhere up north of Nashville, a little town up there, and I came to the door and there was a, an elderly woman standing in the door waiting for me with the FedEx envelope that I had in my hand, and then her husband came to the door, and before I could even get up and knock at the door, get out of the, the vehicle and go up to the door and knock, they were already standing there, and, and I had already scanned the package, and uh, just my routine to, to do things a certain way, and I walked up to the door, and uh, instead of them uh, greeting me with smiles, they had a look of uh, worry on their face, and they said, do we have to take that package? And I said, well, no, absolutely not. You never have to receive anything. You can refuse anything uh, from, from me uh, or any FedEx driver for that fact. And she said, okay. And uh, I didn't ask for the details, but they began to give the details to me that, that they'd been part of a scam, that somebody that they had trusted and uh, that had got them into something that, that uh, they had come to find out wasn't what it was sold to them as uh, to be. And so... They were doing the final details, and I was carrying the package because a lot of these scammers will use somebody reputable like a FedEx delivery company to, to make it look like it's, uh, it's legitimate. And so here I am standing at the door, and they're ready to sign for this package, and they realized that they had been scammed, and, and they began to go into the story. And I really didn't have much time to stay there, but, but they, they didn't seem to realize that uh, the, the FedEx stands for Federal Express, you know. I got to keep moving, you know, here. I've had customers before where they've held me up so long, I said, well, just call me federal because you just took the express right out of my day. 
We, we like to keep moving, but I was intrigued by their story of how they'd been sucked in and they, they were trusting of this person and, and only to find out that, that they, they were going to lose, they were on the verge of losing thousands of dollars by somebody who was betraying them. Yet another circumstance here recently, I was talking as I was, uh, we had to do some financial transactions with the bank as far as like our sectional accounts go, and I was talking with a banker, uh, and she was relating to me a story of a of an elderly man that had lost his wife, and uh, and he was lonely. He had been alone for over a year, and so somebody told him about a a website that he could go to, and and he could he could. Now I'm not saying it never works. It's not the way that that I think that it ought to be done. I think you're you're really playing with fire. I, it, that's not really a good idea, and this is one of the reasons why. Because there are people out there that will prey on your weakness. They'll prey on the fact they know what they're doing. They know your, your soft spots. And this man got on this site and he began to look for companionship. He began to look for somebody that could replace the loneliness that was left in his life when his wife had passed away. And, and boom, all of a sudden somebody was on there and it showed a picture of an a, of a attractive woman and, and she started showing him attention. The reality was it was probably some overweight, gross-looking, grotesque guy on the other line that was scamming this guy. It wasn't a female at all. It was fictitious. And this banker picked up on the fact that this man was being scammed. And she tried with everything that was in her to get him to understand that, that this is not true, that that's probably not even a female on the other end of that website that you're going to. Don't send them any money. But he would not be, you couldn't deter him. He was going to send her the money because every time it was a new story. Well, uh, my car broke down and, and I need uh, this much money in order to get it fixed. And then once I get it fixed, then I can drive up and we can meet and see if we're compatible. And then the next time it was, well, I need money to pay the rent. And she went through the whole thing until the fact uh, came to be that she had completely cleaned this man out. He lost everything. He lost his home, he lost his car, he lost everything that he'd ever worked for because of a betrayal. There's nothing in this world that will hurt you more than the feeling of being betrayed. He gave it all away. He got nothing in return. Betrayal is always a painful thing, but it's never so painful as when there is blood involved, when someone's life is on the line. If you've ever suffered betrayal on, of any magnitude, then I'm sure that in your mind, even now, the memory is being recalled. Some of you are out there right now thinking of a situation in your life, and you're remembering a time when somebody did you wrong. Somebody that you trusted, somebody that you put stock in, somebody that possibly even you loved or you had a, a deep friendship with, they betrayed you and you can remember exactly every detail of that because it's a place that is etched into your mind. There's something about betrayal that places a marker in our memories a memorial, so to speak, as a reference point and a reminder of a place and a time where our trust was shattered.
Judas with everything he had seen Jesus do, with every miracle that he had been a part of, with every time that he had stood by and watched the multitudes come around and the lame get up and walk and and the deaf began to hear and the dumb began to speak and even when the lifeless came back to life, Judas had experienced all of those things and yet he was still willing to betray Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. What I don't believe that he understood was It wasn't just going to be any old betrayal. It wasn't just going to be a betrayal that sent Jesus to prison or made him look bad or ended his ministry on this earth. But it was going to be a betrayal of blood. It was going to be a betrayal that cost Jesus his life. Maybe he didn't realize what they would do with Jesus. Maybe he thought about what he could do with the money, where he's going to go what he's going to spend it on, where he's going to live. Ah, my old friends, it was great for a time being. It was great to hang with Jesus and the other 11 disciples for a time. But that time has come and gone. With this money, I can buy new friends. With this money, I can get me a new set of clothes and, and a new home. And I can go on a vacation. And I can do all the things that I could never do. And he thought and reasoned in his mind that it would somehow be worth selling out Jesus Christ. Betrayal of blood. What he didn't realize was how empty that he would feel when it was all said and done. How lonely he would become. How vulnerable he was going to feel. How vulnerable he was going to become. Now what he thought he would love feels like ashes in his hands. The thing that he craved and the thing that he cradled and the thing that he held on to, they burnt like fires of coals of fire in his hand. Now he looked at the 30 pieces of silver and he no longer thought about everything that he could do with it, the things that he could purchase, the places that he could go. He simply looked at it and it turned into blood money because he never dreamed, I don't believe, of what was going to take place when they took Jesus away. And now the money that he thought he had to have simply had him. The Bible says that Judas repented. He tried to make it right. He tried to turn things around. He he went back to the chief priest. (coughs) He took in the money. He said, let's change this whole thing. Let's call this off. Can we just start over and pretend like it never happened? But the memorial had already been set. The marker had been placed into his life, and there was no going back for Judas. There was no changing the situation. There was no reconciliation for him. There was nothing that he could do. They would not take his money. And so he throws it at them as he exits ready to end his life. The memorial had been sealed by a betrayal of the highest magnitude. And it was the marker in Judas's life that catapulted him into the spiral that caused him to grab a piece of rope, go out 
and end his own life. The priest wouldn't take the money back, but it's laying around at their feet. So he can't just leave it laying there. They gathered the silver up. They had a little council with each other. What can we do with this? We, we can't put this back into the treasury because the treasury was supposed to be holy. So they, they, they said, we can't put this back in because it is blood money. It's money that was purchased, that purchased someone's life. And so the Bible tells us that after they spoke with each other about what they would do, that they decided to go out and take the 30 pieces of silver And they purchased a piece of land with that money. They went out and they bought the potter's field. The potter's field was a place where the potter just threw his old scraps, the old shards, the broken pieces, the the mangled pieces that were of no use and of no value. The potter's field was just a place where they threw all the trash that was of no value. And so the, the chief priests, they bought this potter's field. And they said, we need a place where we can bury people that we don't know. Where when strangers come through town and they die here in our city and they don't have anybody that will put them in their own family burial plot, we need a place to bury the strangers. And so they decided that they would buy the potter's field with this blood money and they would bury people that they did not even know on this plot of land. But they didn't just call it the potter's field. They bought it as a potter's field, but they renamed it the field of blood. And the Bible says it's called that to this day. It was no ordinary betrayal. It was a betrayal of blood. You know, sometimes I like to ponder the what ifs. There's no going back. There's no changing the past. It's, it, it's settled. And, but I like, to just, I like to just amuse myself sometimes by thinking, what if? And the thought occurred to me, what if Judas had not been such a knee-jerk reaction kind of guy? And when he threw the silver out, he ran out and went home and, and locked himself away for two or three weeks or a month. And he just got away. What if Judas maybe would have just moved to a different city? What if he would have not have killed himself? What if Judas had not went out and hung himself and ended his life? What could have happened? What if he'd have been around to see that he wasn't going to be the only disciple who would betray Christ, that there there was going to be another that would deny him. What if Judas would have been there and stood and listened to Jesus as he hung on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Oh, it was a forgiveness. It was another memorial that was taking place that would change not just that dispensation or that century, but it was going to change everything from that point until the point that you and I are living in today. It was another memorial that was going to take place. There was another marker that was going to take place. But the betrayal of blood was too much. He couldn't comprehend that there might be hope for a man like him. I know people like this. 
They're the same people that say, oh, if I walk through the doors of that church, the whole roof would collapse. I've, I, I'm like, try it. I dare you. Matter of fact, we're, we're trying to build a new building anyway. If it does, we'll just shake hands and we'll be okay with it, you know. This one's been standing 150, 60 years, so I doubt that somebody, you've not, you've not sinned like Judas sinned. But there's a mindset out there that I've done too much wrong. There's a mindset out there that, that I've made mistakes that are unforgivable, that I, I've done things that, that not even Jesus Christ, his blood can cover. And Judas had that mindset. He could not see he, he, that, that he could be forgiven. He couldn't comprehend the fact that there was going to be another memorial that would overshadow his own memorial, another marker that would overshadow his own marker, that there could, yes, indeed, be a Savior who could see past the sinfulness nature of mankind and say father forgive them they don't know what they do they don't understand the consequences but God in all his mercy looked down and he saw that mankind needed another memorial needed another memorial of blood a memorial that would take away the sins of betrayal this is what Judas said he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. Not just the blood of another brother. I've not just betrayed somebody that maybe betrayed somebody else and was deserving of betrayal. I've not betrayed just a good friend. I've not betrayed a family member. I've not betrayed my wife. I'm not, I've betrayed somebody that had innocent blood. He was innocent. Judas knew that he had condemned Jesus Christ to death. I have betrayed innocent blood. And therein lied the answer to the question that Judas never asked himself. Could it be possible to find forgiveness after such a tragic mistake? But for Judas, there would never be the opportunity for that question to be answered because Judas took his own life into his own hands. But thank God that Peter's story had a different outcome. You see, no matter what kind of betrayal you may have offended the Messiah with. You're never alone. There's always others that have betrayed him. As a matter of fact, the Bible lumps us all into that category when it said, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It says another scripture that says, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. When we compare the best amongst us to him and his glory, we fall so, so ridiculously short of the glory of God. Every last one of us have betrayed him, even in the fact that we were born because we were born into sin with a sinful nature. Amen. Every one of us has 
have a memorial in our life the day that we're born because we were born with a sinful nature. But thank God that wasn't the last marker. Thank God that wasn't the last memorial to take place because there was another one that was coming where Jesus was going to come up out of a tomb and he was going to change everything. Three times Peter denies Christ. He's seen the same things that Judas has seen. He's been a, a part of that, of that circle of friends, the 12 disciples. He was also there seeing everything that Jesus had done. After everything that Peter has seen, after everything that he's witnessed over the last three years, walking beside the man, Christ Jesus, and he claims that he doesn't even know him. Wait a second. I saw you in the garden. You were the one that, that drew your sword and lopped off the guard's ear. No, that wasn't me. I'm just over here warming my hands. I'm just over here trying to, trying to get a little warmth, minding my own business. Why don't you mind your own business? And somebody else says, hey, weren't you there? Aren't you one of them? Absolutely not. I don't have any part of him. I don't know who he is. And the, finally, the third time, he begins to curse I don't even know the man. Don't think for a second that a memorial, don't think for a second that a marker was not established in Peter's mind right then as he cursed and he swore, swore that he didn't know who Jesus Christ was. He absolutely knew who he was and even more than that, he knew what he could do. But he made a mistake, and he betrayed the one who loved him. And he denied that he even knew who he was until the point that he began to swear and curse. I don't know him. Yeah, there was a memorial in Peter's mind. Not every memorial is a memorial of victory. We have memorials where they're raising the flag. It's a beautiful thing. It's inspiring. But there's other memorials out there that make you just hang your head and a tear roll down your face. Because there are places, markers, memorials that remind us that we're not always winners. That sometimes we've fallen, sometimes we've failed. I pray that you have memorials in your life and markers. You have memories of when you overcame sin and you overcame things that were coming against you. And when you rose up victorious and you've got those places in your mind where you can go back to and they help reestablish you and they help inspire you to continue living for God. But I have no doubt that for every marker of victory in your life that there's a place that you can go back to where you didn't fare so well, where you didn't, uh, you didn't have a victory lap to run at the end of that uh, uh, circumstance in your your life, but you have places in your life where you go back to that are places where you were defeated and you were broken. Some memorials are markers of failure. 
and defeat. That's why I want you to be very tuned into what I'm about ready to tell you. Judas and Peter both came to memorials of defeat in their life. Times that they would never forget. What brings you to a place where your memorial is established isn't nearly as important as where you where you go when you leave it. Brother Hogan, if you want every battle, spiritual battle that you've ever fought in your life, <laughs> sure. Absolutely not. But the life you've been around for a few years, long enough to have children and grandchildren that are sitting here with you. You came into this thing a long time ago. There's been some high spots and there's been some defeats along the way, right? We don't win every battle. I could go through each and every one of you and you I, I could talk to you and every last one of you if you were honest, you would have to stand up here and say, I didn't win every time I fought. There were times when I suffered defeat. There are times that come to my memory where I failed God, where I betrayed God, where I betrayed his confidence, where I even betrayed his blood. But I've come to tell you today, don't you uh, worry about what brought you to that point. They are still here. Amen. It's not so important what got you to the point where your marker and your memorial is that as what where you go from when you leave it let it lead you to a place of Calvary let it lead you to a place where God's memorial can overshadow your failure doesn't matter what kind of mistakes that you've made in this life. Doesn't matter how many times you failed up to this point. The memorial of Calvary cast a shadow that covers my past. The memorial of Calvary cast a shadow that covers your sin and your faults and your failures. It doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. If you can get to the memorial called Calvary where Jesus bled and died, the blood can cover your world betrayal the blood of Jesus Christ can, can forgive you of your sins and cover your past Judas decided it's too late but Jesus never said that Jesus never once told Judas you're out he never once condemned him to hell. He never once told him it was too late. Judas made his own sentence. What would have happened had Judas not taken his life? I don't know the end of that story. We never will. Because Judas became his own judge and his own jury and his own executioner. But I can tell you Peter's story. And whether we decide to be a Judas or a Peter will depend upon what we do. 
the direction we take from the memorial in our life. Jesus does die on Calvary's cross and the blood does drip down off of his body and splats on the ground. Peter couldn't stop what was set in motion. It was supposed to happen. The crown of thorns was upon his head. The nails were driven and the blood flowed. And it flowed for you and me. They took the body of Jesus and put it into a tomb. You know, Peter's feeling pretty, pretty bad right about now. You know, the other disciples, they were, they were sad. I mean, the, Jesus had died and... You know, they knew what he had told them, but when you're walking through the valley, it's hard to have a whole lot of faith. And so right now, that's, that's all they've got to cling to. They're gathering together, and they're trying to just figure out what their next move is and what's going to happen. But Peter's carrying extra weight that the rest of them don't have. Whether the rest of them knew what he did or not at that point, I, I don't know. Maybe they found out later. You know, Peter kind of had a mouth that wouldn't stop, it seems like. And so maybe he just told on himself. I don't know. His guilty conscience may have got the best of him. Peter's not just dealing with the loss of the one that he's followed, but he's dealing with knowing that he betrayed that friend. When all of a sudden word comes that shocks Peter right down to his sandals. <laughs> Two women come running through the door and they say, what's going on? What's... Hey, calm down. Catch your breath. Tell us what's happened. Everything okay? And they can barely get it out because they're heaving, trying to get some air into their lungs. The tomb, the tomb, the tomb is empty. You don't have to tell Peter twice. Peter and John go running. <laughs> Brother Jones showed me something that was pretty comical the other day. In the book of John, John record us, records it, that the other disciple outran Peter. The other disciple he was talking about is himself. <laughs> John said, we both ran, but I was quicker. I got there first. I have to give him credit. Okay, John was maybe in a little better shape. Maybe Peter had put on, maybe he was stress eating and had, you know, too many donuts after Jesus had died. And, and he, he was winded. He couldn't get there to the tomb as quick as John did. I, I don't know what happened there, but John beat Peter down to the tomb. And John let everybody know I was the first one there. But John wasn't the first one inside. Because the Bible says that John kind of looked. He looked, but he didn't go in. Peter he just walks right on in. This I got to see. Why? I believe I can tell you why. I believe because Peter 
to Peter. It was the hope of salvation. It was the hope of redemption. It was the hope that maybe there was a chance that he could be redeemed after his betrayal of the one that he loved. I believe to Peter it spoke and said, there's a new memorial that just took place here that's going to overshadow my faults and my failures. There's a brand new marker in my life that's going to take care of every betrayal that I ever did, of every word that I ever said, of every curse that came out of my mouth against him. There's a chance for me to make it right right here in this empty tomb. And Peter said, I've got to go in and see for myself. I've got to make sure that this isn't something that's false or fake. i got to know for myself. The tomb is empty. He is alive. He is risen. There is hope for me. There is a memorial that it began right at that moment for the betrayal of blood. And I believe that if Judas had been there, that Judas could have fell at the feet of Jesus and Jesus would have looked down with those caring eyes with a tear running down his face and he said, Father, forgive Judas. He didn't know what he was doing. He got lost in the moment. He was weak. They prayed upon him. They scammed him. But I'm not going to condemn him because I've come not to condemn the world, but I've come to save the world. I believe that Judas could have found salvation. But he took matters into his own hands. And I feel like I'm speaking to someone today. You're trying to do it by yourself. And you're failing miserably. You want God. But there's a voice that's telling you, you've gone too far. You've done too much. There's too great of a divide between myself and every other Christian that I know. Certainly there's no place that I could find. And in those words and in those thoughts that you keep speaking to yourself, you're becoming your own judge, jury, and eventually your own executioner. Because whether you take your own life or not, one of these days our lives are going to be gone. And then a chance and the opportunity to find heaven as our home will be over. I'm pleading with somebody today, make this a day of a memorial for yourself make this a brand new day because whatever markers whatever memorials have brought you to this point there's nothing that you have done that the marker in the memorial of Jesus Christ and what he did on Calvary that it can't overshadow everything that you've done because the blood covers betrayal every time would you stand with me today Jesus is hanging on the cross. They've got his clothing down on the ground. They're gambling to see who gets to take him home. Because for sure this guy is not going to need him anymore. And he says, Father, forgive them. And if he can forgive the ones who put him on the cross and is gambling over his clothing and taking his life. If he can forgive the ones who spit in his face 
and jammed the crown of thorns upon his head. If he can forgive the one who claimed not to even know who he was after everything that they had been through together, he can forgive you. He can forgive your betrayal. He can forgive your sin. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.